Are you stuck in a rat race of schedules, to-do lists, and other people's priorities? Maybe you can't even remember when the last time you felt fully engaged with your body, your mind, and your surroundings. If this resonates with you, then you are in the right place. I am Susan Sanders, and I'm here to teach you about sustainable productivity. Each week, I'll be coming to your ears with lessons to create a life that you can fully engage with. Some weeks will be bite-sized moments of inspiration and sharing. Other weeks will include guests and more in-depth looks at doing the right things in a way that you can maintain over time. Let's get started. Welcome to the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. I am your host, Susan Sanders. On today's episode, we are introducing a potentially recurring topic, a headline roundup. It's sort of a dumb name, but that's kind of the placeholder that we've got right now. So often, I open my phone or email and there are headlines coming at me. What is clickbait and what is evidence-based? How do we know what to invest in and what to dismiss? You are way too busy to waste time on hype. I am here to sift through the noise with you to help find solid recommendations so that you can live a more sustainably productive life. Before we get to today's headlines, we will start with this week's glimmer. A glimmer is the opposite of a trigger. It is something small that happens that brings you joy, contentedness, peace, or gratitude. I believe those glimmers confirm we are on the right track towards making life sustainably productive. You may miss them or not trust them at first because You're used to feeling churned up and on fast forward. Let's cultivate these glimmers so you trust your instinct in finding small things or adjustments that create a life you don't feel like running away from. Cultivating them will help these small moments reveal themselves to you more often. Today's glimmer is saying yes to a change of plans. I recently did this in favor of going to lunch with a friend and a group of new friends. It was way outside my comfort zone to suggest lunch and then extend it to a large group even more so. But once I was there in the middle of it, I knew it was exactly the right thing. In order for this to be more cohesive and less of a throw spaghetti against the wall episode, I'm going to choose headlines that follow themes in these episodes. I'll link to each headline and any supporting evidence in the show notes. We're starting this series by looking at productivity promises. The first headline is from December 2023 Psychology Today and is titled How to Work Less, Live More, and Be More Effective. Sign me up, right? I mean, who doesn't want that? So here is the key point to that article or the key point in what the article highlights. The 80-20 principle allows you to work less, live more, and be more effective. So what the heck is the 80-20 principle? Let's start there. You may have also heard this called the Pareto principle. The idea is that 80% of the consequences come from 20% of the effort. Some articles I read refer to the 20% as the vital few, but that seems very dramatic. So we're going to refer to it as the effort for right now. In 1941, management consultant Joseph Duran developed the concept in the context of quality control and improvement after reading the works of Italian sociologist and economist Wilfred Pareto. Pareto wrote in 1906 about the 80-20 connection while teaching 
in France. Pareto wrote in 1906 about the 80-20 connection while he was a professor. And in his work, he showed that approximately 80% of the land in the kingdom of Italy was owned by 20% of the population. Here are a few other examples of the 80-20 rule. 80% of a company's revenue comes from 20% of the clients. The richest 20% of the people have 80% of the money. People use 20% of what they own 80% of the time. The rest is just clutter. Thinking of my clothes closet, this definitely tracks. The gist is that the Pareto principle identifies the 20% of activities that generate 80% of your successes, therefore identifying where you should spend your focus. The flip side of this means that a shocking 80% of our activities at work are probably a waste of our energy and time. This stings a little bit for sure. The converse is mathematically true as well, though. Roughly 20% of our activities result in 80% of our happiness. So it's within our reach. I am not going to debate the math that goes into this Pareto law. The 80-20 rule has been proven by extraordinarily smart people, and I barely passed finance in MBA school. So we're just going to accept that. But if we know that this math checks out by these super smart people, it might be worth the effort to drill down into what 80% of the activities are a waste and where the 80% of our happiness is coming from. The point of this article is that paying attention is important. Pay attention to where your time goes. The Sustainable You Time Tracker can help here. Pay attention to what you are wearing. Maybe now's a good time for a capsule wardrobe to decrease the clutter in your closet. Pay attention to activities that fill you up versus drain you. This could be a simple plus for fill up, minus for drain, or a slash for neutral on your list of where you're spending your time if you're doing the time tracker. Then the next time you do your weekly planning, review where the pluses and minuses are. Use these as negotiating points with your partner, co-parent, colleagues, or friends. Maybe you hate taking the kids to the hockey rink at 6 a.m., but your neighbor's going anyway to take a spin class in another section of the building. If she does the early carpool, can you do the pickup at 8 a.m. and take the kids to school? If we get back to the article that spurred this whole conversation, I want to also share that the topic was raised as a book review of sorts. The person that wrote the article had just read Richard Cook's The 80-20 Principle, Achieve More with Less. It was updated as a fourth edition, and this particular author of the article was where many of her points came from. She recently read it and then wrote this article. But overall, I think there is value in evaluating where we spend our time analytically wherever possible. There are times I think that I always take the puppy out, or I'm the only one that changes the toilet paper roll. This quickly can slide into a pity party. I'm the only one who does anything around here. Questions to ask when I find myself in this slippery slope. Is this true? If this is indeed true, is this working? And if not, what do I want to negotiate? We can negotiate chores and errands like I described the carpool example above. We can negotiate with our focus time at work. Maybe in talking to your manager, you have data collected from the last month where you received 
we'll say 20 Slack messages between 3 and 4.30 p.m., but only three messages between 9 and 10 a.m. Therefore, you tell your manager that you would like to set office hours three days a week between 3 and 4.30 in order to get your boss to approve that you be offline or on do not disturb between the hours of 9 and 10 a.m. People are reaching out to you during the afternoon anyway, so why not formalize that a little bit and make it okay to be on do not disturb during your deep focus time? Not being an economist, I'm not even going to try to calculate out the 80 and the 20% for you, but the point is that some activities matter more than others. Decide where you need to focus, where you will get results. Delegate wasteful things to other people or to the floor. Opening up time in your calendar, your day, your life is what will help make this sustainably productive long-term. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by bookshop.org. Every time there's a link in the show notes to a book, it takes you to bookshop.org instead of a mega site because bookshop.org helps small businesses like mine and my local independent bookstores. They have given almost $30 million to local bookstores so far, and if you purchase your books from them through a link from the Sustainable Sue business, they will send a small percentage of that sale to us to support the business expenses like podcast and web. If you want to purchase a book that you don't have a link for, just send an email to susan at sustainablesue.com with a title and author, and one will be sent to you. Now back to the show. The next headline is Getting Things Done, the Ultimate Approach to Boost Your Productivity. Exciting, right? The Ultimate Approach. Sign me up, I thought as the page loaded. Let's review what Get Things Done or Getting Things Done, the GTD approach is. Here is how the article describes it. Created by the productivity guru, David Allen, GTD isn't just a system. It's a mindset shift. It's all about getting all your tasks, ideas, and commitments out of your head and into a trusted system. Why? So your brain isn't cluttered with trying to remember all those details. It's like giving your mind a spa day every day. That's how the website describes it. And, you know, here's what's happening in my brain. A spa day every day? Fantastic. So all snark aside, I do think David Allen is onto something with his approach. Basically, you have five lists, inbox, next actions, waiting for, projects, someday maybe. With the technology that I use in my day job and with Sustainable Sue, these five lists though, they just don't work for me. As a project manager, I need my next actions and waiting for to be part of each project, not three separate lists. If a client calls me, I need to be able to pull up one tool quickly to be able to speak coherently and answer questions concisely for them. But you know what I do like a lot is the someday maybe list. I've talked about this before with Sustainable Sue work. My book proposal, Revamping Sustainable You Academy, and other ideas I've seen other authors and speakers use to help their clients, these are some ideas that I want to do someday but I can't do today. Even something as small as a freebie I want to draft or a marketing document I want to create. But I cannot survive by keeping them in my head. David Allen is definitely right about this. 
you know, getting all of your tasks, ideas, and commitments out of your head and into a trust into a trusted system. So I dump them into a someday maybe list on Trello. A notebook would also work or um, a running list in an email to yourself. I suggest there is no best tool because we're all very different people. And I have even had times in my life where a different tool was perfect for that season I was in, but now I use something different. It's less about the tool and more about the concept of the someday maybe list. I take this article with a grain of salt also because it's sponsored by a project management software, which happens to align nicely with David Allen's getting things done method and theory. And also the headline full of absolutes. I do not believe there is one ultimate approach for everyone. Excellent systems we can all understand to make pieces our own, sure. I mean, take it from me, a six foot tall woman who once bought one size fits all pantyhose from the grocery store. Hear me say this, one size does not fit all. So this is something to take into consideration when you see these headlines come across your email or um, texted to you or, or however they come across. Social media sends them to. We need to understand what the source is of the article coming at you. And this one just really seems to be an article that is uh, forming an opinion to promote their software. The third productivity headline I want to review today is from Inc. Magazine. Here is the title. 24 years ago, a Harvard researcher showed how to increase productivity at work by 65%. Why aren't we all using her method? And here is the detail. 25 years ago, Leslie Perlow was a young researcher at University of Michigan interested in the experience of time famine or feeling like you have too much to do and not enough time to do it. To figure out what was causing this experience, she observed a team of 17 engineers working to develop a new printer over the course of nine months. Here are her results. 25 years ago, I don't know if anyone else is in this weird time warp. 25 years ago, if I just quickly spewed, when, when do I think 25 years ago? I would say like 1979. Well, you know what? 25 years ago is 1998. 1999. We're, we're now in the new year. So this Think of where you were in 1999. We didn't quite have the influx of the importance of email, but it did exist. So in this study, here are Perlow's results. The engineers felt, even back before the turn of the millennium, that they never had time to do their, quote, real work, unquote. Instead, they were constantly being pulled into impromptu conversations with colleagues putting out minor fires, or giving status reports. And this truly could be a report from last week as I was chatting with a colleague before our fifth Zoom of the day. You know, sometimes it feels like in 25 years, nothing has changed. (laughs) Now, Perlow's solution was to have the engineers have quiet hours three mornings a week. This meant no interruptions Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday before noon. And her study showed a 65% above average productivity. Does this sound a little like where we started this episode? The 80-20 rule? If the engineers were spending 80% of their time on a report that got 20% value, it was a waste. 
Once they delegated that report to someone else or the trash, productivity soared. Maybe they ditched dumb meetings they did not need to be in, skyrocketing productivity. I've been a part of organizations that have tried these approaches. Agile scrum teams that are only supposed to be meeting 15 minutes, well, they stretch to 60. One organization said no meetings beyond 23 minutes because research showed attention span flagged after 23 minutes. (laughs) The funny thing here was the only exception was the team meeting my boss had with us that lasted 90 minutes. I am sure many of you listening have been in hour-long calls where, you know, the first five minutes was spent waiting for people to join. The last five minutes was lost because people dropped early for the next meeting. How much are we really getting done? You know, these attempts at boundaries protecting productivity are nice theories, but not if they're trampled by everybody and their boss. Quiet hours are quiet hours. Not for everyone except you who needs to just ask one quick little thing to a few people on Teams chat. If you struggle with this, I'd like to suggest folding this into your weekly planning session. And you can see episode 36 for more about the weekly review. What deep work do you need to save for quiet hours? If you have a project you have been trying to make headway on, what details do you need to make that headway? What do you need to gather before quiet hours? If you work outside of corporate America, maybe you are drooling over the idea of quiet hours. Great. Identify some for yourself. Notice I did not say find it. Time is static, 168 hours a week. Some people can find quiet time. Show up to school or practice pickup 15 minutes early with a book. Or sit in the grocery store parking lot for five minutes before going in and just closing your eyes for a second. After setting an alarm, of course, reminders and alarms are always part of productivity. This is not settling for crumbs. This is taking what you need. Put that big rock in there first. Because you will be challenged on these pockets of time. You'll be asked to... Just take one of the three kids with you to the store, just this once. Or as you're walking out the door, you get the request from your boss, can you run these copies over to the office right across from the school on your way to get Jenna since you're going to be right there? This is where it gets hard because we want to be helpful. We want to please people, but we need to please ourselves first. Your burnout is real. 25 years ago, Dr. Leslie Perlow identified this productivity solution You have the scientific evidence that you need to focus. You need focus time. Now it's just up to you. And and honestly, it's up to me. Now it's just us up to us to take it for ourselves. One thing I want to do in my next quiet block is to deep dive on where Dr. Perlow is now to see if she has quiet times blocked on her schedule. I'll let you know if my amateur cyber sleuthing comes up with anything. In general, I do think this article is middle ground on its value. We know a solution, but ending the article with, if someone figured out at least one meaningful and effective solution to this problem 25 years ago, why haven't more business leaders implemented it? Well, this seems slightly less than helpful. This is what your question was leading the article, and then you tell us what the problem is, but then don't tell us why no one's solving it. Less than helpful, but the idea of, Gathering that focus time or identifying that focus time for ourselves is important, which is why I wanted to spend some time talking about what you might be able to do to protect that time. 
The company I work for in my day job is starting Zoom out Mondays or deep focus block on Monday. No meetings can be held for three hours in the middle of the day on Mondays. I'm sort of hyping myself up to get ready for this. None of this, none of us is perfect. We get lots of chances to make adjustments and try again. I'll let you know how this goes for me and what adjustments I end up making. But maybe this is a a trigger or a glimmer that you can take this time for yourself too. And maybe it's not three hours and it's not company sanctioned, but where can you block time for yourself? As we close, I would like to request your feedback on this headline breakdown format. I'm considering making this a topic that comes to your feed on a quarterly basis. That's my thought right now. Let me know if this worked for you, if you hated it, if you have headlines that you want us to talk through or, you know, any other feedback. You can reach me directly at susan at sustainablesue.com. Thank you for your time today. Until we meet next week, remember to create results in a way that you can sustain and that are productive for you. You have just listened to the Sustainable Productivity Podcast. If you liked what you heard, you might like what you read. Come to SustainableSue.com to read more and subscribe to have the weekly message sent to your inbox. You can also get show notes, including links to things discussed in the episode there. SustainableSue.com Consider sharing this episode with a friend. The more you share the message about sustainable productivity, the more we can create a world where we are all more engaged in our lives. Keep going, friends. As Devin Durant says, small efforts sustained over time can produce significant results. Have a good week.